0: Welcome to the Michelle Mission, two men, one podcast, podcast. Every black film ever made. My name is Len. Let's do this over. <laughs> Welcome to the Michelle Mission, two men, one podcast. Every black film ever made. My name is Len, a.k.a. D. Bat Tribble. And as always, I'm joined
1: by my partner. Hey, this is Vincent Williams.
0: Tonight, ladies and gentlemen, we are closing out the bards of November as we say adieu to November 2023 and we do it in style, in fabulous black and white style of director Joel Cohen's in Vincent's selection for tonight's movie The Tragedy of Macbeth starring Denzel Washington, Francis McDormand, Corey Hawkins and one Catherine Hunter As not one, not two, not three, but four roles in the stop on the Micheaux mission. But as always, we say hello to all of you out there who are watching us as we are streaming live from Yunk Junk, Philadelphia's premier video podcast palace, to all of our faithful missionaries out there on Facebook and watching us on YouTube. Shout out to each and every one of you in the chat. Hello. Good evening, one and all. It is the week after the holidays, after
1: Thanksgiving. It is. Vincent, how was your holiday? My holiday was fine, but I think I speak for all of the missionaries Mm -hmm. when I say what we've all been preoccupied with throughout the holiday weekend was finding out how did the cranberry sauce go.
0: I'm glad you asked me that, Vincent, about my cranberry sauce, which I did announce to the missionaries that for the first time ever, I was making for Thanksgiving homemade, slow cooked Mm -hmm. cranberry sauce. Mm -hmm. That's right. That's right. Now, to be fair and to cover my cover my ass, I did also bring along to the dinner a can of cranberry sauce. Okay, all right. Just to be on the safe okay, side. Okay, okay. Which was met with great delight yes. by family, uh, family, longtime family friend Miss Debbie, mm-hmm. who said, "This is the only cranberry sauce I know." And she proceeded to quickly whisk out her personal can opener and
1: open up the can. And sh- it down onto a bowl. Isn't it hilarious how cranberry sauce people, there's that vein of, of cranberry sauce people that they rot or die for the can? For the can. Like, they love
0: the can. They don't like anything else from a can. Right. Anything else from a can and like, oh, it's not, it's not. Right, right. But, but cranberry sauce, it, they have to. Right, right. Now. That was fine. Okay, so she, sure. So
1: she, she had her cranberry sauce. Had her salt. thing. We, we're yeah. not going to talk about why she had a can opener in her purse, but okay, sure. Why not? Miss Debbie is a peculiar lady. All right. But I love her. That's right. Um, But
0: I had my cranberry sauce. Now, I had taken it over my sister's in just like a basic plastic, you know, plastic. Sure, sure. But so, but I needed like something to adorn it in. Sure, sure. That you it. have to
1: serve it. Exactly.
0: That's right. So my sister. She proceeded, because first my sister looks at it and, it's like, and she's like, what's this? I'm like, look, it's cranberry sauce. She's like, wait a minute, didn't we tell you to buy cranberry sauce? Nobody told you to make cranberry sauce. I said, oh, I took it upon
1: myself to make yes, cranberry yes, sauce. Yes, 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 yes,
0: yes. So she proceeds to give me first a mixing bowl to <laughs> serve the cranberry sauce in. Sure, sure. And I said, no, 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 no. Miss Debbie's got her canned stuff in a nice little white bowl. that has got like the, the gold lattice ar- around it. Sure, around. It's sure. like, no, I need something at least
1: equally nice. to dis- Equally nice. To display. My- that's right. She used a slow cooker.
0: Exactly. Mm-hmm. So she gave me a, like, a n- nice little glass bowl. And okay. I put, I put, you know, that some out. Sure, sure. Now, Miss Debbie, to her credit, said, okay, it looks interesting. Okay. So I'm going to try it. Okay. And she takes a spoon. Mm-hmm some that's not bad that's not bad I can't lie to you Len that's not that's bad. a good start we had another family friend over okay guy named Fred okay who actually was for 20 years no actually for 25 years was one of the chefs at the Chestnut Hill Hotel. Oh, la-di-da. And hold the dough. hmm So he, I said, Fred, look at that cranberry sauce. What, well, that easy? He says, well, that's what cranberry sauce is supposed to look like. Okay. He says, so it looks good. So you like, yes, chef. I said, all right, chef. Try it, Fred. Okay. Fred takes the spoon. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's good. All right. That's good cranberry thank sauce. Thank you, chef. I said, thank you, chef. hmm So now... My sisters come walking up behind Fred. It's like, yo, that's good. That is exactly what it's supposed to look like. A little sweeter than most people make it, but it's not. Sure, I like it. sure. He, they're like, Okay. So everybody goes around and they're fixing their plates. Like about maybe about 15 people here. Okay. Fixing their plate. They start putting like no little bits of the sure, sure, sauce. Sure, sure, sure. You gotta try. Okay. Gotta try. I go down, go downstairs, I'm eating my dinner. Right. I come back upstairs, mm-hmm. the cranberry sauce is gone.
1: Bam. Oh, bam. There you
0: go. It's gone. Now, I didn't think people would believe me. So, so I got testimonials. All right. I got testimonials from people. The first person that I received a testimonial f- from was my sister. Yes. My twin sister. Yay. I
1: was about to say. Who says, to, to all of you Michelle? I believe your older sister, Leslie. You would remember that, wouldn't you? I mean, you know. <laughs> you would. You can tell she's older than you. She's Hey, Leslie. <laughs> it's eight minutes. A lot can happen in eight minutes.
0: Yeah. Yes, it could. Anyway, she begins. There's nothing better than having Thanksgiving, but to have Thanksgiving leftovers... And leftovers, oh, excuse me. There's nothing better uh, than having Thanksgiving except Thanksgiving leftovers. Yes. And leftovers are not complete unless you have cranberry sauce. Okay. However, my brother, um, Len, a.k.a. Cruz, a.k.a. Bat Tribble, I'm not sure what they're calling him these days. A lot of aliases. I have a lot of aliases. Made the most amazing homemade cranberry sauce with fresh cranberries that gave it a sweetness and a tartness all at the same time. It didn't look like your traditional canned cranberry sauce either. It looked as if it was made with love, and that is exactly how it tasted. I could not wait to put that on my leftover turkey. There's there's a second calling for you, Len. There you go. That's from my sister.
1: Well, Len. there you go. Well done, Thank you. Mission accomplished. Mission accomplished. Now, because perhaps
0: not you, Vincent, but I know the missionaries. I know you all very well. Each and every one of you, especially, you know, some of, some of you more hardened heart ones <laughs> who are probably out there in the chat saying, yeah, but that's his sister. It, well, yes, and but it's his twin sister. Yeah, oh yeah. So what is you know what is she going to you know she, right. she's going to ride with Funland? Absolutely. So I sought a testimonial mm-hmm. from the one and only Miss Debbie. Oh,
1: and what did Miss Debbie say?
0: Miss Debbie says, "I've never had the desire." To try anything other than canned jellied cranberry sauce, mm-hmm. but was pleasantly surprised when I tried your homemade sauce. All right. I will stick to the can. Yes. But yours was better than I thought it would be. It was
1: better than I thought it would be. Now that's that's all I need. Look. <laughs> that's- that was all I needed. There you go. Man, you want to talk about wind beneath your wings. Ah, there you go. It's better than I thought it would be. <laughs> I was flying. All right. So is this your deal now? Is this, this you every year? I think this is my this deal. This is going to be, all right. I think this is my deal. Well, I'm boy, this has been a roller coaster of emotions. <laughs> I'm so glad we took this journey with you. Well done. Thank you. My good and faithful servant. <laughs>
0: Thank you, thank you, thank you. I, I, I'm I'm very pleased. All right, all right, all right, all right. Let's get the show started, ladies and gentlemen. All
1: right, we would, so so we gonna do because we got little news and. And what do we want to do first?
0: Well, let's get some of the news out of the way. All right, right, right. Because
1: it's it's with a heavy heart. Oh, it really is. It
0: is with a heavy heart that we come to you today, the Michelle Mission, um, to speak about the passing of one 86 years young. Mm -hmm. And if ever there was a person that was 86 years young, it was this man, Marty Croft. Yeah, of the famous Sid and Marty Croft productions, yeah, television productions that w- produce some of the the 60s the 70s into the 80s greatest Saturday morning um some cartoons, mostly live action fair yeah, mostly fare. live
1: action, yeah. Uh
0: and and some and some primetime
1: stuff yeah, as well. They, I mean dip, pro- they dipped their toe.
0: They did Uh, Um H.R. Puffin stuff.
1: Um Sigmund and the Sea Monster. Sigmund and
0: the Sea Monster. The Bugaloos. The Bugaloos. Dr. Shrinker. The Lost Saucer. Yeah, the Lost Saucer. On primetime, I didn't even realize they were the producers of the Donnie and Marie show. I
1: did know that. And considering how big that was. And now that you know it, when you look at clips of Donnie and Marie, you can see it. You can see. It. You could 100% yeah. see and, it. And of course, we, we have to appropriately talk about their Macbeth, Land of the Lost. Oh, Yeah, I, I always try to explain, and this may be relevant for our younger missionaries, like before everything was deregulated in mm-hmm. the 80s, and and basically the, the toy companies got permission yeah, to, to, to just go to town and have these 22-minute commercials, right. which is where something like, you know, the Transformers and G.I. Joe and all of this stuff that, you, that we see now, uh, children's programming was just a free for all. Mm -hmm. Like it was no real money in it. So like people and, and, and coming out of the sixties, you had this whole sort of aesthetic. Yeah. That, that the Croft brothers channeled Mm -hmm. into this amazingly bizarre, psychedelic fair that, (laughs) <laughs> that it's so much of Gen X, mm-hmm. like like it was affected and informed by them, mm-hmm. so that you know a lot. Like if you are <laughs> if you are of a certain age, you have a lot of affection for the Croft brothers, and, and Lynn and I are certainly in that age group.
0: Almost oh, certainly, yeah. yeah. Think of how much of their stuff, you know. It skirted that line. You need to talk about psychedelic. Yeah. It skirted that line between like, you know, kids fair, young adult fair, adult fair. Right. You know, it was it was right there. And and the proof is, is that, you know, their heyday was the late 60s and the most of the 70s. Yeah. L- that was their heyday. But with the advent of MTV. Mm-hmm. A lot of that stuff got replayed, yeah, on on those cable channels, yeah, because you could find stuff there. You find like the little funky little songs, man, the fashions, and you know some of the messaging that was coming through was like a lot. There was a lot of free love.
1: (laughs) You know, the Croft brothers swore they did not use drugs. Yeah, yeah, but if you did. They were just, they were just fine. Oh my goodness! We have we've actually talked about them previously on on a couple of binge lounges. Oh, we have. Yeah, yeah. Because like I said, we we are we are big fans.
0: Oh, huge fans. So yeah.
1: So that's a loss. And
0: and um, that's a real loss. And you know, he died. Marty Croft died at the age of eighty six. Mm-hmm. Um, but from. All accounts, like they, they were huge parts, uh, parts of our childhood. But from all accounts, they were also supremely beloved in Hollywood. Mm-hmm. Um, not just because of the things that they created, but because of the friendship and the family that they created amongst the people that produced their shows and anyone that came in contact with them. They were always. Working with, always, always talking about they had some some job that they were ready to bring uh, to bear. And whenever they did that, you they were always reaching back out to their family like, well, we've got a role for you here. We've got a role for mm-hmm. you here. And it says something that um, on the Facebook posting, uh, when Marty Croft died, they, his posting uh, from his brother, Sid, mm-hmm. his surviving brother, you know about his brother. It had something like six thousand likes mm-hmm. and over one thousand comments from right. people just sharing their sharing yeah. the love, and, and it it speaks to the 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 souls that they they touched and the the feeling of affection that people have for that family and for for those
1: two. So yeah, yeah. One notable thing, if if we got. It. Link it to us. Also, produced the short-lived Richard Pryor Saturday morning variety show, Pryor's Place.
0: Absolutely, absolutely. Which, which, alongside Richard Pryor's, you know, um, the primetime show, mm-hmm. are cult favorites. Yeah. Oh yeah. Cult favorites. Yeah. Man. So uh, yeah. yeah. So it's it's crazy to say, but at eighty six years young. He was gone too soon.
1: And once again, if you are unfamiliar, I don't even know what to tell people to Google. Because it's like Bigfoot and Wild Boy. Oh, wow. I forgot about the that. The Bugaloos, Dr. Shrinker. Uh, uh, You know what you could do. Sid, Sid in the Sea you Monster. You know what you could do. You said HR Puff and stuff. Like any of them. Like... 10 minutes from anything that I just rattled off will blow
0: your mind. It will blow your mind. It will blow your mind. You know what I what I did is uh I sat and watched there is a YouTube video out there that is just the opening to all of
1: the this. opening credits, so opening there credits you go. to all of this Watch shows. The opening credits mm-hmm. to everything we just said. Yep. Yep, that's it. That's it. So Rest in peace. Rest in peace. Someone mentioned it worth saying, so we're talking about people who passed. Gene Knight passed. Mr. Big Stuff. Oh, yeah. Who do you think you are? Mr. Big Stuff. Yeah, so rest in peace to Ms. Knight. There you go. Shout out to her family.
0: Black Star signature podcast, Many Lumens, hosted by me, Maori Carmel Holmes, is back with all new episodes featuring groundbreaking artists, change makers, and cultural
1: workers. Join us as we find meaning in the intersections of art, social change, and popular culture. Subscribe wherever you listen to your podcast or at manylumens.com.
0: All right, all right. Let's get started, ladies and gentlemen. It is time for missives from the missionaries. Oh, What's right. going on,
1: Lynn? We have emails, Vincent. Ooh, missives from the missionaries. Ooh. 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 Ooh missives.
0: Vincent, we have an email from Nicole Court. Hey, Nicole. Uh, Hi, Len and Vince. I hope you both had a great Thanksgiving. Thank you. You as well. I watched Meteor Man the other day. (laughs) And I have a question for both of you to chime in on.
1: (laughs) Uh (laughs) Uh-oh. It's like, appropriately enough, you uh, you, you know the superstition. You're not supposed to say the word Macbeth in the theater. Like it's bad luck.
0: I didn't know. Yeah, I you're did. not I know supposed this. to
1: say Macbeth. And it's like, we're we, we, we going to talk about this in the cold, but we don't really mess with Meteor Man. We don't really. Yeah. yeah. No, no,
0: no, no. That's already twice. So. All right. <laughs> I have a question for both of you to chime in on. This question may sound left field. Okay. But if you were to pick between Robert Townsend and Tyler Perry in terms of directors and their impact, who would it be? And why? Sounds absurd, but I'm curious about the input from the both of you. I'm not sure if you guys take movie uh, recommendations, but I hope you guys discuss an early 90s gem, Living Large with T.C. Carson, mm. uh, uh, and Paid in Full. I also think it would be cool if you guys dedicated a month of discussing black books that were turned into movies. Mm. Keep up the, the great work and love, as always, Nikki. Thank you, Nikki. I like the idea of uh, taking a month to discuss book, black books that were turned into movies. You no, know, I love that. And yeah. That, that would be pretty cool. It would be interesting. Fair. Mm-hmm. Um, Living large, you know how you talk about like uh mm-hmm. Living large has been on my short list for a, a visit in a certain month of the year.
1: Yeah. Um, so I'm thinking about that. You think living large? I'm assuming you mean Mother May I. Do you think living large is bad enough to be in Mother May
0: I? See, I haven't seen it in so long, but I remember, I remember seeing it when it came out and saying, "I'm not, I don't like this." So I remember it
1: being a bad movie. Is living large any worse than strictly business or mo money? It's
0: mm, a good question. See, I'm not a big TC Carson fan, so I I want to say yes, but it has been a long time sure, since I've sure, seen
1: it. Sure, 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 Paid in Full has been on my short list for Paid the in Full. Time, yeah. Too. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I've thought about that. Yeah,
0: but she she uh, Nicole asked a, a very interesting question in regards to Robert Townsend and Tyler Perry mm-hmm. because. While we have been, you know, we've said our thing about Tyler Perry, Mm -hmm. we've also had a thing or two to say about the works of Robert Townsend. Mm -hmm. Um, So if you were to pick between the two of them, as far as their impact in the culture, where would you lie? And I'm assuming she's asking who would have had the
1: bigger impact. See, that's interesting. That is interesting because the five heartbeats has left quite a footprint.
0: Yeah, it has. But I actually, the the way I was thinking about it is that I think Robert Townsend's impact is probably felt more behind the scenes.
1: And then I was going to say that you get the sense that he really has become this elder statesman. Yeah. Yeah, and like a mentor for a lot of Black creators. That is a good question.
0: Yeah, because conversely, Tyler Perry, say what you want about his films, say what you want about the way that he makes his films. He is a person that gives a lot of people work. Like Cecily Tyson, when we love her, but Cecily Tyson's latter part of her career her life was spent on a, a fair amount
1: of Tyler Perry work. Yeah, but that's not really impact. That's more celebration. When I think impact, well, I, mean, I but- would think about who started with Tyler Perry. Okay. Like, like I would think more like Lance Gross or... Um, I think her name is China Ann McLeod. Like, I'm thinking about people who started with Tyler Perry. And then went on to... And move- then kind of went on and did other stuff. Okay. Which... You know, Tika Sumpter. I think you you could Tika Sumpter's a good one. Yeah. And then I don't know how many filmmakers... Well, I don't know how many filmmakers would follow in his wake. Tyler's. Yeah, like like I do think I there. Think well, I do think there is a certain sensibility among young creatives where they say, "I want to control everything." Mm-hmm. You know, including the production. And getting it out there—that sort of do for self—that mm-hmm. you get with Tyler Perry. I think this is a surprisingly nuanced question.
0: It is because I'm, I'm, I'm still, not, I'm, I'm Tyler Perry. Like you've just said, he has become like this a, a benchmark for a lot of people. Yeah, you know that, which is. Despite whatever elder statesman role he plays, I can't say, at least from my understanding, I don't think that Robert Townsend holds that same place.
1: Well, like you said- I But do, it's in a different way, And though. I get the sense, like you said, behind the scenes. Yeah, like he's the, the
0: director's director. but right. he, But even then- Or at least
1: a director's sounding board. Sounding
0: board. That's yeah. more to the point. A sounding board. I don't know. I don't hmm. know. Um, in the chat, Farrell Blackwell says, in his opinion, Tyler Perry has had more impact in front of and behind the camera far more than Robert Townsend. While Deborah Battle is saying that Robert Townsend did open up Hollywood for somebody like Tyler Perry.
1: You you're doing an on the street report now? You just hear it. Is. Now and from the ones. The, the, well,
0: I thought those were two interesting just, comments just, to just, share just, the, live
1: to people just, who can't see them. Just on the street saying, just Lynn Webb here on the street. All oh, the humanity. Do you watch WKRP in Cincinnati every year, the, the Thanksgiving episode? Or do you at least listen to the clip? Oh my god, they the turkey. That's what she made me think of just now. Here's a here's all oh, oh, the humanity. I'm gonna step
0: inside. Oh my god, oh my dude, I mm-hmm. so I love that episode. Mm, of course you do. <laughs> Everyone loves that episode. It's perfect. Again, they're bombing <laughs> Cincinnati with turkeys.
1: Oh my god, a lot oh, oh. I don't have a definitive answer. I don't want to have a definitive answer. You don't right now. want to have a answer. I don't want to, well, yeah. because I've I've been. I going feel like back you have and, one. I actually, don't. I actually don't. Like, I'm actually kind of going like like depending on the metrics. I go back and forth. Like I'm really going back and forth because I think when you talk about you know in front of the camera, like certainly you have Medea mm-hmm. and who Medea represents. But besides, like, you know, you, you know, you got, like, her little catchphrases, you know, hello and hallelujah. Like, I don't know how much. Well, Farrell Blackwell. Oh, points, my God. Would you please stop? No, 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 no. I just want to. One aspect
0: of what he said. Yes. We're saying, in his opinion, that Tyler Perry had more impact in front of as well as behind the camera. I can see from in front of in that. And how, you know, him getting so many productions out there, you know, having so many black faces in them and whatever. I can see that in front of the camera there there is that in- impact. I I question the behind the, the scenes impact, whether or not his impact was as great, as great as
1: Robert Townsend. Well, I think the behind is as an example.
0: Yeah, but I think I think that. Whatever example he is behind the scenes, I think there there are other producers who are who are probably more of an example in in and, and creatives, you know, uh seek to emulate more so than Tyler Perry behind the behind the camera. Sure. I think like about Ava Divernay, Spike Lee, um even Issa Rae to a degree, how she built up, well, you the know. The funny her-
1: thing is Issa Rae kinda under undercuts the Tyler Perry argument because Issa Rae kind of did the same thing, Mm -hmm. but you know, she's younger and
0: yeah. Barry Jenkins, you know, who's very selective about the work that he does. So I think there, I think there are other ones behind the camera.
1: Yeah. And and, and in front of the camera, I don't like, maybe I'm biased and I certainly I have a self-selecting, data set, you know, people are age people, but like, I don't, I can't think of anything for me, Tyler Perry, anything that has the same cultural footprint as my office hours Mm. are nine to five. Mm -hmm. And when I said that every single person listening to me knows that I'm talking about red. Right. Or, you know, Eddie Kang Jr. Mm -hmm. It's an interesting question. Well,
0: that's fair if you don't want to have an answer. My answer would be Robert Townsend. Okay. And it, I'm leaning on this. Based on the people that we that I have seen, interviews that I've read, mm-hmm. some people that we even know, because I think even Dorian has spoken about Robert Townsend uh, impacted in Hollywood and, and Omar. Um, but that role of elder statesman mm-hmm. is something not to be taken lightly and and, and to to take this to sports right mm-hmm. one of the biggest things that that it came about when the, the NBA just re- fairly recently celebrated the 75 years mm-hmm. right and they uh, uh and they had like all the 75 you know like 75 greatest athletes in NBA history and mm-hmm. everything like that and it was so interesting how the stars from the '80s into the 2000s. So mm-hmm. we're talking about Bird, Magic, Barkley, Jordan, LeBron, um, all of them. Each and every one of them talked about how, on the low, behind the scenes, of everybody out there who ever like just reached out to them and touched or made themselves open to them in Mm -hmm. a way it was Julius Irving. Yeah. Each and every one of them talked about, you know, and it was stuff that, and I'm a lifelong Julius Irving fan. And it was stuff that I didn't even know. Right. That he had did the conversation he had with Jordan. He had with magic. He had with LeBron. Mm -hmm. um, That, and opening himself up to them to talk about stuff. And when I think of when, I think of how I've heard people speak about Robert Townsend. It is in that same way. Okay. You know, they, you know, it's nothing big, but they go to him and like, you know, they just, you know, sit and they they take it in. Sure. You know? So I'm going to say he's had a bigger, the bigger okay. impact. We just don't see it. But the people that matter, they know it. I'll, I will agree with you. All right. All right. Thank you, Nicole. Thank you, Nicole. Thought provoking. I love it. We love our missionaries. All right. We got another um got a couple more emails. Actually got a few more, but we're only going to do a couple more. Okay. Uh we got uh an email from make sure that I got this correct.
1: Yep. Here we go. Michael Sykes. What's up, Michael?
0: Lennon Vincent, do y'all want some
1: breakfast? <laughs> Hello, Iconic. I listened to y'all episode of Baby Boy.
0: (laughs) And I'll have to say that it used to be a guilty pleasure of mine until BET continuously played it. (laughs) Now I'm so tired of seeing it. Vincent, you had me in tears, choking, when you talked about how Melvin and Jody wanted to run away together and have a bed and breakfast. (laughs) My other guilty guilty pleasure movies are Norbit, Obstacles, starring E-40 and Brian Hooks. I've never even heard of that. I've never heard of that. But I love everything about what
1: I just heard.
0: The Wash with Dr. Dre and Snoop Dogg. Yeah. I'm
1: aware of that. Yeah,
0: yeah. Uh, Metro. I think that's the Eddie Murphy yeah, movie. Yeah, we were just talking about Metro. Marked for Death. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, boy. Oh, yeah. Uh, and welcome home, Roscoe Jenkins. You know what?
1: Talking about shortlist. You, uh, you've mentioned that before. Yeah.
0: Uh, I really can't wait for y'all to review The Wash and Original Gangsters starring Fred
1: Williamson. Funny thing about Original Gangsters, and I've not checked in probably two years, I was going to choose Original Gangsters and I couldn't find it.
0: Yeah, I, I'm not sure if it was streaming. Yeah. yeah I, too mm-hmm. I have I was having trouble with that. I uh, uh, uh,
1: hope you enjoyed your holiday. Your fan, Michael. Thank you, Michael. Thank you, Michael. Thank, thank you. Thank you. A lot of those movies on a lot of lists oh, of yeah. ours.
0: Yeah. Yeah, most definitely.
1: Yeah. All right. All right. Uh, that'll do it for our emails. Oh, we got to do somebody. We can't we end with Michael. It's uh, uh, Michael. You know, uh, we do Michael. Well, uh, <laughs> so you gotta do Michael. You got to you do Michael. Yeah, we got to do Michael. But you can't do somebody else. A little. What the... the
0: That's going to do it for for our emails this week, ladies and gentlemen. But we do have an announcement that we want to make for you. Uh, 2024 is going to be shaping up as a very big year for the Michelle Mission Mm -hmm. as we have a series of film screenings that we are planning throughout the year. That's right. And we are going to be kicking things off in January. Yes, we are. January 27th to be exact. At the lounge at World Cafe Live here in Philadelphia, Mm -hmm. where Vincent and I will be screening Love Jones. Screening Love Jones on a big screen. Big screen. You can order drinks, you can order food, sit
1: back, watch Nia Long. Being a terrible person
0: and Lorenz Tate and a bunch of other people. But (laughs) Neil Long up on the big screen and you know you've only seen Love Jones on your kitchen TV, ladies and gentlemen. Mm. This is your opportunity to watch it on the big screen and then uh, sit back and relax as Vincent and I bring you a live podcast that night. It'll be January 27th at the Lounge at World Cafe Live. Tickets go on sale this Friday.
1: Mm. so
0: do not miss your opportunity ladies and gentlemen this friday december 1st tickets go on sale you can go to worldcafelive.com you can go there right now you can sign up to get the alert so you are notified when the tickets go on sale so you can get your tickets and be sitting right there for nia long in love jones yes
1: in 1963, America's Georgia, 15 black girls joined a protest.
0: One for the matinee, please. Negroes, even you little ones, get your tickets in the back. We just want tickets to see the show. Then you stay right there, little girl. Here comes a whole mess of tickets for each and every one of oh, you. no, no,
1: no, 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 no. For 45 days, the girls went missing without a trace.
0: We searched all over and... No signs of the girls. Now is the time to get organized. Yes. That's right. Thank you. Thank you. right, Loretta? We ain't got no more time to waste. It's now or never, y'all. Pops is closing in. He's aiming at us. Carol, what should
1: we do? Based on a true story, Push Black presents The Stolen Girls of Americas. Listen and follow on the Odyssey app or wherever you find your podcast.
0: Now, now, let's move on to all right the top
1: five, the top, top five, top five. My top five is
0: my top five is my top five is my top five is my top five, is, my top top five ladies and gentlemen. Where I give Vincent a list and he gives us his scintillating commentary on it. Ooh, scintillating. Tonight's top five, mm-hmm. as we close out the bods of November, yes. our celebration of the adaptations of one William Shakespeare. Mm-hmm. I present to you, Vincent. Yes, sir. The top five Shake Strange, strange and unusual Adaptations of the works
1: of William Shakespeare. Oh, that'll be fun. This should be yeah. fun. What we got? Starting with number five. Let's see if I've seen these, go ahead. Well, some of the, now, some of
0: them are movies. Yeah. Some of them are actually stage adaptations. Okay. Unlike of which you've never heard. Okay. What we got? The first is a movie. Mm-hmm. Get this one right out of the way. Okay. This is one you know of. Okay. From 1956. Okay. Forbidden Planet. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's The Tempest. Do you remember Forbidden mm-hmm. Planet, the that's 1950 right. sci-fi gem that starred Anne Francis and Les- Leslie Nielsen? That's right. One of the most innovative early sci-fi films and influenced Gene Roddenberry, George Lucas, and many, many others. Mm-hmm. But what many people don't know, missionaries, is that Forbidden Planet is a faithful
1: yeah, it sure retelling is. Retelling. Yeah.
0: Of Shakespeare's
1: The Tempest. Yeah. Yeah. That's right. Until the end that is. Yeah. <laughs> and not as many robots in The Tempest as, as you, in Forbidden Planet. Cuz you forgot the, the biggest star to come out of Forbidden is Planet Robbie the is robot. Robbie the robot.
0: Robbie the yeah, robot. Yes, yeah. He was the biggest star yeah. to come out of uh the uh, Forbidden Planet. The biggest difference between the Forbidden Planet and the Tempest is Prospero survives the Tempest, (laughs) while Morbius in Forbidden Planet is killed by the creature he accidentally created. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Although setting the movies in space is par for the course now, placing a Shakespeare play, among Starships and Nebulas was a bold choice for director Fred Wilcox in 1956. Just goes to the show that the bod's plays really are
1: timeless. Yeah, yeah. How you feel about Forbidden Planet? I've seen it before once or twice before. It is, you know. It, I mean, it's fun. Oh my God, I love Forbidden Planet. It, it's, it's a lot of fun. Um, How do you feel about 50s sci-fi, generally? Th- there's, some, there's
0: some that are just so dumb mm-hmm. that i just fall in love with it like sure absolutely like uh is it oh it which is the one with the the giant ants i want to say that's
1: it but them. them them that's what it them. is them i knew it was i knew it was yeah, them is giant ants food of the gods is giant animals i didn't see i haven't seen food of the gods and then attack of the 60 was a sixty foot woman? Fifty foot. 50, I think woman it's Fifty foot woman. Is a big lady.
0: It's a big lady. Yes. It's, it's just a big lady. It's it's just a, smacking stuff. It was a big lady. That 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 was a weird.
1: Yeah, that was yeah, a weird man. Yeah. I, I was just well. Yeah, I love Forbidden Planet though.
0: Forbidden Planet is fun. I like the one um uh Journey to the Center of the Center Earth. Center
1: of the Earth, absolutely. Yeah,
0: that's 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 my one. I like that one. Okay. All right. That was number five. All right, number five. Number go. number four. Number four. We journeyed to the world of television. Okay. In fact, this is actually Br- uh, British television. Oh, I see. From 1964, mm-hmm. a, a wicked. TV special called "Around the Beatles." Around the Beatles. Yes. Okay. And I am. I bet you're thinking that Shakespeare and the Beatles don't mix. I'm trying to think out- again, my friend. <laughs> in 1964, the darlings of the British rock scene combined one English thing with another by filming a TV special inspired by a scene from A Midsummer's Night Dream. Okay, all right. You know the play oh. within a play in Act Five where the rude mechanicals or players perform the story of uh, uh, Paramus and Thisbe. No, of course. In Around the Beatles, Mm -hmm. Paul, John, George, and Ringo. And Ringo take on the roles of the mechanicals, galvanating around a theater and singing some of their most popular songs as they act out the tragic love story of Pyramus and Thespi. Well, there you
1: go. I was unaware of this. While wearing doublets and feathered caps. I mean, what else would they have been wearing? Of course. Yeah. All right. Well, there you go. There you go. You were not aware of it. I well, was not you? aware. Okay. And now I am. And now you are. Yes.
0: Consider yourself educated. <laughs> yes. Number three. Number three. This is from 2010. Okay. Now, this is not an adaptation of a Shakespeare play, but it is, some might argue, a comical sequel a sequel to a shakespeare play. Okay. From 2010, it is The People Versus Friar Lawrence. Okay? As in as in any good shakespearean tragedy, all of the interesting characters are dead at the end of Romeo and Juliet. Yeah. Except for Friar Lawrence. Is that the dude that married him? He is a guy who secretly married the yeah. two teenagers, despite his misgivings, and then gave one of them a potion that would make her appear dead, uh, now has to explain his shenanigans to the grief-stricken Capulets and Montagues. Yeah,
1: who they all
0: seem cool with his behavior, but critics have debated whether f- the friar is at fault for Romeo and Juliet's deaths for centuries. So, in the People versus Friar Lawrence, a musical comedy that takes place after the young couple's double suicide, mm-hmm. Friar Lawrence is put on trial. Okay, for Romeo and Juliet's demise. Mm-hmm. It is as entertaining as it is witty, and it also begs the question: Why was a man of the cloth going around giving
1: sleeping potions to young women? <laughs> I was about to say. Because I think, like we don't, we don't really talk about it that much. I think Juliet is really thirteen. Mm. Mm. And so, Romeo's like 17.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: So perhaps this is a trial that's long overdue. Right, right. Especially like the subtext is him telling them, y'all need to go ahead and consummate this marriage. That's from the text. So, so yeah. yeah so all right. Yeah. Lock his ass up. All Right. You got sleeping potions and young girls. It's, it's like Friar R. Kelly all of a sudden. <laughs> it's like, oh. Why you hanging around these kids and why you got sleeping potions in your pocket? And and why you peeing on them now? Right. (laughs) What kind of clergyman (laughs) are you? There you go. Number two. Number two. You, you all need to consummate this marriage. It's like, dude. <laughs> Go ahead. Number two. Number two. Number
0: two. <clears throat> From 2015. Mm-hmm. Now, you are a fan of Shakespeare. I am. Huge Shakespeare fan. Mm-hmm. So I'm sure you are familiar. Mm-hmm. With King Lear, I am. When it was discovered, when we discovered that a woman had written an adaptation of King Lear, almost in, <laughs> oh my God, writer Missouri Williams was fed up with what she called the complacency in modern stagings of Shakespeare. Okay, so she decided to do something really different in her 2015 London production of King Lear with sheep. God the one human actor oh my God. played a director literally trying to herd his cast of sheep from scene to scene. It's a sight I can confidently say is currently unparalleled on the British stage, read one review. King Lear's horns are magnificent and gun real Choose a curtain. The sheep mostly stood there, as sheep are wont well, to do, as the director yelled lines of King Lear at them. But his frustration apparently became quite moving towards the end as he cradled the black sheep playing the dead Cordelia in his arms. That is. King Lear with Sheep from 2015. Are you going to be now searching for a restaging of King Lear with Sheep so you can take this in on your own?
1: Nah. <laughs> <laughs> See what I did there? I set you up. See what I did there?
0: Number one. Number one. From 1996. 1996. Shakespeare adaptations. Don't get much looser Uh-oh. or more irreverent okay. than the 1996 gross out comedy, Tromeo and Juliet. Tromeo and Juliet. Which yeah. puts a trauma yeah. spin on yeah, the bard's yeah, yeah, endlessly yeah. recycled tale of the quintessential star-crossed lovers. Mm-hmm. This time out, Juliet is bisexual. Of course. And sexually voracious. Oh,
1: yeah. yeah.
0: Romeo is addicted to Shakespeare-themed porn. Sure, 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 sure. And the third act involves such newfangled contrivances as Juliet morphing into a hermaphrodite cow. As one does. The tagline, body piercing, kinking sex, dismemberment, the things that make Shakespeare great. Yeah. Says yeah. it all. Yeah, yeah. Nevertheless, by the standards of the studio that brought us the toxic Avenger. Yeah. This still qualifies as a class act. There you go. And thus we have our number one. Your number one. Weird Shakespeare adaptations there that I call go. Shake
1: Stranges. Sha- Shake Stranges. Tromeo. Tromeo and Juliet. And Juliet. Yeah, yeah. Were you familiar? Have you seen Troma? I've heard of it. I've never seen it. I've never seen it either. Yeah. Uh I don't want to see it. You like how how you feel about the trauma? Like you mentioned the Toxic Avenger. I liked it at the time. That's Dark Man. He did Dark Man, right? I don't think he did That's Darkman. not Trauma? I don't
0: think Trauma did Dark Man. Okay. I don't think he did Dark Man. All right. Um well, how you feel about he did Swamp that- Thing.
1: Yeah, 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 we, right. Swamp Thing was his big that's stretch. A, that's his that, big. That's the stretch. Yeah. But how you feel about um Toxic Avenger? Toxic
0: Avengers? Avenger, I remembered it being goofy fun at the time. Yeah. It doesn't, you know, age well. Yeah, it helps to be like 14, 15. It helps to be 14, 15 yeah. and watching it with other 14 to 15-year-olds. Yeah. 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 You know, just watch out for the, you know, it's, yeah. it's silly. I know. It's silly. All right. All right, go. So that's
1: the top five. That's top five. All right. All right. And now, All right. it's time for a true Shakespearean battle. <laughs> Talking about Montagues and Capulets, about Webbs and Williams. It is time
0: for Six Degrees of Derville March. <laughs> Six Degrees of Derville Martin, ladies and gentlemen, where I give Vincent two actors and he has six films or less to connect them to that one man Shakespearean play in his own right. Oh, yeah. One Derville Martin. Oh, yeah. His life was filled with Shakespearean themes. Most definitely. hmm. And keeping it right in theme. All right. These two actors. Okay have never appeared in a Shakespeare adaptation.
1: <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, who we got?
0: <laughs> At least as far as I know. Right, right, right. Um, number one. Number one. In six movies or less. Six movies or less. I, this is a layup for you, Vincent. Oh, well, <laughs> easy. <laughs> Connect Durville Martin to... Two.
1: Nicholas Cage. Nicholas Cage. Well, how do I want to get to Nicholas Cage? We've talked about Nicholas Cage too cuz he's he's got like this really weird career. Mhm. All right. Well, all right. Let's just do this. All right, so Nicholas Cage, um <laughs> Nicholas Cage is, of course, in. I don't. I don't want to get to Nicholas Cage. Mm -hmm. Nicholas Cage Mm -hmm. is in. Trying to remember who was just in that movie he was in the Nicolas Cage
0: movie. Which one? The uh he's had a, he's had a few movies. Yeah,
1: it? yeah, yeah. All right. Well, look, look, let's just let's just do this. Um, Derville Martin, do it real quick. Dervil Martin is in um the final come down. With Billy D. Williams. Billy D. Williams is in Batman 89 with Michael Keaton. Michael Keaton was in The Flash with Nicolas Cage. Remember, he had the cameo of he had Superman? The cameo. Yeah. He did.
0: Mm-hmm. he did. Very good. Mm-hmm. All right. All right, Vincent. Very good.
1: Very good. All right. Number two. Number two. In six films or less. Of course, now you make me think about Nicolas Cage and Shakespeare. He probably wasn't something know. that's been damn Maybe he had to. I mean, sure.
0: I mean, maybe. you gotta. You know. I get it. It's Nicholas. I know. All right. Yeah. It wasn't. Um. Wasn't. The Rock wasn't that an adaptation <laughs> of
1: very, very loose, very loose adaptation, <laughs> like a Winter's Tale. Yeah. Sure. <laughs> um. In six films or less. Okay. Connect Derville Martin. Okay. Two. Two. This is the hard one. This is the hard one. Kira Sedgwick. Oh, okay. Wait.
0: Yeah, make sure you got your right right white actress.
1: That's, um, whatchamacallit's wife? Kevin Bacon. Kevin Bacon's wife. Yes. Okay, Kira Sedgwick. <sighs> you see, once again, this is somebody I see on TV a lot. Yes, because she, she had a TV she show, for, The Closer. For, yeah, I was about to say, she's The Closer.
0: But she has done a fair amount of uh When's the films. last time she was in a movie? <laughs>
1: um,
0: Well, she's in a post-production on a couple of movies. She was in Endings and Beginnings in 2019. i not
1: familiar. Dude. I feel like she made
0: that close money, and
1: she was just sort of chilling.
0: She was in... Villains in twenty in twenty nineteen.
1: She was in After Darkness. She was in Submission. I've not heard of any of these movies. Okay, have you heard of any of these movies? No. Nope. Uh, <laughs> I don't think these are real movies. These are ghost movies. These are like those Oscar Micheaux movies that they don't have a print of. They just have like an interview in the Negro <laughs> Press, but we don't know if they actually existed. Is it reviews of these movies in the Negro press? But we don't have any prints of them. She was in 2015. She was in a movie called Cop Car.
0: Sounds, <laughs> these don't even sound like real names of movies. That sounds familiar to me. Cop Car sounds familiar to me. Uh, yeah, yeah, because Cop Car was with Kevin Bacon. <laughs> but you can't use that. One. I, about I gave say, you that one.
1: Yeah.
0: You can't use that one. Um, that would be unfair. Uh, I'm trying to think, and see if there's a movie here that I, I that I'm pretty sure you saw that I think you've seen. Um, wow, we back in '97. She was in. Um,
1: I'm telling you, she made that close. That closer money was good money. Well, because that was, was on for like eight nine years, and she was also married to Ke- to Kevin. And look, it's better to be married to Kevin Bacon than Kevin not Bacon.
0: She was in Secondhand Lions. Remember Secondhand Lions? I think I think I'm not even looking it up, but I think I want to say was Macaulay Calkin in that. I'm looking it up
1: now. Oh, Haley Joe Osmond! I knew it was another <laughs> mixing up you little white boys. <laughs> That's my blind. That's spot. your blind spot. <laughs> uh.
0: Um, none of this is helping you.
1: Apparently, no, 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 no. I'll use Haley Joe. Osment. Use Haley Joel Osment. All right, so here you go, and I'll do this real fast too, so we can go ahead and get to the Shakespeare. Because, um, of course, Dervil Martin is in Five on the Black Hand Side with, um, Dick Anthony Williams, who's in Mo Better Blues with <laughs> Samuel Jackson, who's in Um Unbreakable with Bruce Willis, who's in The Sixth Sense with Haley Joel Osment. Got oh, going. who's in Secondhand, Secondhand Lions with um, Kira Sedgwick. Kira. Who are the old people in Secondhand Lions? Uh, oops,
0: wrong one. Uh, Secondhand Lions, it's Haley Joe Osmond,
1: Robert Duvall, and Michael Kane There you go. Robert Duvall and Michael Kane All right, well, there you go.
0: Speaking of Michael Caine, I just Michael Caine. We talked about last week. We talked about um, Neil Simon movies. Yes, and free for watching on YouTube right now, ladies and gentlemen, is one of his films that I don't think you said said you hadn't seen California Suite. Right, Um, which I watched. I watched
1: again today. Wait. What's the one with Richard Pryor and Bill Cosby? That's California Suite. I have seen California Suite. Oh, you did see Michael Caine's in that.
0: Michael Caine is in that. Yeah, My, Michael Caine is in that with. Because um, I like California Suite. People go run hot and cold with California Suite because you know why? Because watching it again, I I, I dig it. It's very uneven. Yeah. Because it, it it basically is f- one two three four four vine- different yeah, storylines. Story it's an episode of Love Boat yeah but see but it but it's it's done very unevenly because like the, fir- the like there's a story with Alan Alden and Jane Fonda mm-hmm. as they are like talking about like the the custody of their daughter I was about to say they're divorced right they're di- yeah. they're divorced mm-hmm. and that really takes up most of the first half of the movie mm-hmm. and then there's a
1: story with uh Michael Caine, who's married to um Oh, man, I just don't. I don't remember Michael Caine. Of course, I honestly don't remember much. I remember the Alan Alda vignette, but then, you know, obviously the Richard Pryor, Bill Cosby one is just fascinating. It really is more fascinating than good. Right. Because it's not good. Right. Um, But
0: uh, Michael Caine, he's married to Maggie Smith. Oh, okay. And Maggie Smith plays an actress who has been nominated for the Academy Award. I don't remember this storyline at all. And they have a very interesting the storyline because they're married, but she knows, and it, it, it's a marriage of convenience. Is he gay?
1: Because he's gay. Okay, I do remember that. Okay, um, but
0: it's a very sweet story, and yeah. it's a very sweet, right? Right? Because they actually have
1: a nice friendship. They, have, they actually have a very I do great relationship. Him. I, yeah.
0: But the thing is, is that those two parts. Are like it, it's not evenly di- distributed throughout the movie. Yeah. The the um Bill Cosby Richard Pryor stuff is they're uh, a couple that you know
1: are just kind of like warring, right? Bill Cosby funny. and Richard Pryor aren't a couple. No, no, they no. are part of they're these part two of a couple, but you know it, it's like it's that weird because California Suite's like what 82, 83? 78. Is it 78? Yeah. They feel very 80s. Like it feels like, 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 cause, you know, they're, they're, cause aren't they both like doctors? They're both doctors. Right. Like it's it's very much this post civil rights movement, black middle class depiction that tries really hard mm-hmm. for them to, hey, look at us. We're middle. Cause I remember they play tennis and like they're very sophisticated, but in a real ham fisted way.
0: Well, he Bill Cosby character is yeah.
1: Richard Pryor
0: is he's basically him and his and the lady playing his wife because the the women that play their
1: their their spouses are I've I've never even seen them I, before. The, well, that the big thing is Bill Cosby and, and Richard Pryor. Yeah, it's, it's and it's, they've got weird energy it is, between it is, them. It is and it's not called chemistry. No, at all. No, it, it is. Do they like each other? Like. What agent put this together? Well, I mean, the,
0: the story is that Richard Pryor wasn't that big a fan of Bill Cosby, well, uh, but the, it's the, all the, there on the screen. It, it, it is right there. It is right there, and, and but it's very interesting because it's it's interesting to watch because in seventy eight, Bill Cosby is a star. Yeah. Oh Ri- yeah. Richard Pryor is a star as well. Yes. And probably there's an argument to be made in seventy eight. Probably, if not. The hotter star of the two, per, probably the hotter movie star of the two. It's So 78
1: is, is that before Bustin' Loose? Or, that's got to be before Bustin' Loose. I think before Bustin' Loose yeah, is Yeah, that's 80. before Bustin' Loose. Yeah, but by then he did Which Way Is Up? Which was a very, uh, y- you know, like like, you know. Uh, yeah, but as far as like like I think when we talk about Richard Pryor as a movie star, it's pre and post busting loose. Yeah, busting loose. But he he did have like his concert movie had already hit by seventy eight. Okay, so but even that so it's it's now yeah. that's him the comedian.
0: Yeah, fair enough. Fair enough.
1: And this is obviously this is pre Cosby Show. This is pre-Cosby. Right, so show. Bill Cosby is an Cosby, entity. He's an like, entity. Like, like he's but he's not. I don't think he's on TV at this time.
0: He's, he probably is just off of the Bill Cosby show where he plays the,
1: the Chet Kincaid. Nah, Chuck Kincaid is earlier. But remember, I think there was a Cosby show after that.
0: Yeah, but I don't think 78. So because so, I think this is like
1: might be This is probably so you had you had the Bill Cosby show, which was Check Kincaid. Right. Was Cos the variety show? I think Cos was the oh, variety show. Then, so they, That's early 70s. Right. Then you and then, so then you have the variety show. And then he's then, then he's off. I thought there was another I think he's off until something mm-hmm. before the Cosby show. I don't think so. Cause they kept like like, like they kept going to the well. well I, mean, he, he the name, yeah. I mean, he was a name, man. He was still selling out and you know, he was concerts. Yeah. But like but that. yeah, you're right, California sweet was this really strange moment Mm -hmm. with both of them.
0: Yeah. Yeah. But the thing is, is it's interesting when you watch the energy, Bill Cosby, partly because of the character, but you can almost feel it. He's playing the alpha and Richard Pryor is always, you know, always plays like, you know, Hound Dog. Right. And these things, but it, it,
1: it, it, it's just a weird energy, man. It's weird energy. It, it's just- a, Yeah, it's weird energy. But that's streaming? It's streaming. It was on YouTube. Interesting. Then I sat and watched it. I'm not going to lie. I'm not going to watch the whole movie, but I might just watch the bill. Because I what has always- The, the other thing about
0: it. it is, unfortunately, it's like, excuse me, cut y'all,
1: I think they didn't even
0: know what to do with them. They're barely in the movie. Yes. no. Yes. Bear- Which
1: I was about to say, you can watch it pretty quickly. If you just watch the part. Like, if you just, if you just, just did a part. smash
0: cut of, the, of theirs, mm-hmm. it's probably a half hour.
1: Yeah. Probably 22 minutes. I was about to say, I feel like a half hour is strong. Yeah, it's probably 22 minutes. Right. But, all right, well, there you go.
0: There you go. All right. Um. Okay. All right, ladies and gentlemen. All right. Let's get into our review of the
1: tragedy of... Macbeth. We'll be back with the film review as soon as we do something funky and have steps in it.
0: By the pricking of my thumbs, something wicked this way comes. King that shall be.
1: If we should fail.
0: We fail. Ah! Didst thou not hear noise?
1: Methought thought I heard a voice cry, sleep no more. Yeah. And a bold one. That dare look upon that which
0: might appall the devil. I have no words. My voice is in my sword. A Scottish lord becomes convinced by a trio of witches that he will become the next. King of Scotland mm-hmm. and his ambitious wife supports him in his plans of seizing power. That, ladies and gentlemen, is the plot to The Tragedy of Macbeth. A 2021 film adaptation of William Shakespeare's great play written and directed by Joel Cohn, if a Co-writing credit to William Shakespeare, of course.
1: (laughs) He also contributed.
0: He, you know, he dotted an I. Mm -hmm. And starring one Denzel Washington, Francis McDermott, uh, Catherine Hunter, Corey Hawkins, and many more in this film that would go on to win, to uh, be nominated for three Academy Awards. Awards uh, and was a darling of the 2021 film scene in gorgeous black and white. And Vincent's selection for our last stop through the bards of November.
1: Vincent, what say you of the tragedy of Macbeth? I think. One of the many great things about Shakespeare, and I I mean, actually great things, is that he was a playwright that did a lot of things Mm -hmm. really well. You know, he wrote comedies, tragedies, you know, his histories. Romance. Romance. Um, He had several plays that incorporated supernatural mm-hmm. or fantasy elements. You, you know, we've we've already we've talked about both The Tempest and A Midsummer Night's Dream. Uh, you know, Hamlet's father's ghost appears, so on and so forth. But I think Macbeth is at its 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 very sort of baseline is horror. Macbeth is 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 really an example of the 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 most uh, again baseline definition of the supernatural, mm-hmm. and and of what that means. And when, when you look at at the the root origins of the word supernatural, and just you know the Latin and 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 it it really is supernatural it is outside of nature yes it is outside of nature and, and and even when you look at the the root word of 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 while they refer to as the weird sisters we talk about them as witches mm-hmm. and and the the root the, the root words of witch is outside nature it is unnatural hmm. because this is a play about killing a king. And in this ethical, moral universe of the 17th century, that where this play comes <laughs> from, mm-hmm. there is no higher crime than the murder of a king. Right, what's that, regicide? Regicide, because, or regicide, because you are operating... Outside of the natural order, right? And if you look at just the 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 script or, or 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 the play itself, the words that occur again and again unnatural, supernatural, strange. Again, the weird sisters, yeah. and. First and foremost, I think Joel Cohn really internalized that when, when he talked about, or or when we talk about what this film looks like. Mm -hmm. It's shot in black and white, beautiful black and white, beautiful black, but it is a very stark black and white with long elongated shadows Mm -hmm. And, and even in the daytime, the, the light is harsh and, and the shadows throw in, there are these strange, like it's all angles and it, it, it feels uncomfortable. It feels like an environment that is otherworldly and not otherworldly as in, uh, again, something fantasy or, or or, or good. Galactic. Or galactic, but otherworldly as in we are not operating within the natural order. It's very unsettling. It is unsettling. And this is the stage, literally, because Mm. this was filmed on a Mm soundstage, that before you get to the play itself, before you get to the actor's, as you said the environment the setting is unsettling and again this is reflected in the play itself where where from the very beginning where you have the witches and the witches say you know when are we going to meet again and you, you know it's like line after line in this play is just a classic legendary line. And they say, you know, we will meet when the weather is when, when fair is foul and foul is fair, mm-hmm. which doesn't make sense. Like this doesn't make sense. And you, you realize that that just plot wise, you, they're going to meet at, at this battleground where Macbeth has been fighting for the King Duncan, but it was a good outing. It was fair. But part of the reason it was a good outing is because the weather was terrible. So they can operate within this way. So fair is foul, foul is fair. And Macbeth meets these witches. These witches give him a fortune, give him his, you know, give him this prophecy, which, prophecy, which, yeah. which, you know, back to the, you know, the word weird comes from someone who controls prophecy, which again, outside of nature, mm-hmm. we're not supposed to control our lives. We're not supposed to control what we do. That is God. So the fact that you're doing it is weird. You are again, outside of nature, the witches grant him this prophecy, tell him, you know, you're going to first, you you know, you're going to be Thane of this castle, basically, you know, like a, like, like a a nobleman, the Lord of this castle, but then you're also going to be the King. And, you know, it's like, how am I going to be the king? And then, you know, come to find out he does become lord of the castle. Macbeth starts thinking, well, if the witches were right about that, that, maybe they're right about this king thing. Which then gets to the 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 theme of ambition mm-hmm. and this sort of hunger where he then begins to plan to kill the king. I think the first thing that I love about this film and the performances, obviously we'll talk about Denzel Washington and Francis McDermott, but as you mentioned, Catherine Hunter plays the witches. Mm-hmm. She, she plays the weird sisters and Joel Cohen has this wonderful direction where Catherine Hunter is, is, is apparently a contortionist. Mm-hmm. So she's moving her body in a way. Here's that word again, that looks unnatural. And it's very unsettling. And she plays the three witches. And just as a presence, her voice, everything is remarkable. Mm-hmm. Is absolutely remarkable. Um, there's not a bad performance in in this film, frankly. And even people who only are there for a moment, yeah, get a chance to really um shine. I, I really liked um I really really liked let me get him get him up. uh, Birdie uh, Birdie Carvel who played Banquo, who is Macbeth's boy basically, basically his his right hand man, man, and he's good. Um, Alex Hassel, Mm -hmm. who plays you, you know kind of someone in the court who has this great presence. This is where I really start to notice Corey Hawkins. Okay. Corey Hawkins who plays Macduff, who is another nobleman who who ends up on the wrong side of Macbeth and all of his his whole family is murdered, including his wife played by Moses Ingram, who mm-hmm. I forgot was in here and then she was in um The Obi-Wan Kenobi show that was just on last year. But
0: what you just look so happy saying
1: that I was because like I said, hey, I was, I was like, I was like the um, Leonardo DiCaprio meme with, with with the beer with the beer can. I pointed at the screen. I said, "Hey, Obi Wan Kenobi." Um, Corey Hawkins is is fantastic. I, I I think, frankly, as we as we you know, I center in on the two just. Just I I I don't even have the adjectives for the performances of Francis McDermott and and Denzel Washington. But anyone who could stand out against them in this film on screen with them or on screen when they're not there is worth talking about. And Corey Hawkins has a scene where he finds out his family has been murdered that. Was it, it? It was breathtaking. I said, "Wow!" Because again, I, I I never thought about Corey Hawkins like this. Yeah, yeah. Corey Hawkins is fantastic. Um, the thing about Macbeth is is a lot of people focus on the role of Lady Macbeth, and when we talk, you know, a lot of people we talk about Macbeth is like, "Oh, well, Lady Macbeth is the brains, and she's right. the one moving Macbeth moving around, the pieces moving the pieces around." And I'm more of a fan of an interpretation like this, where they are partners. Mm-hmm. They are partners. And they say that. And, well, they they, they say I, I love the fact that at one point, um, at one point Macbeth actually talks to his wife and says that she is her, that they are my partner in greatness. Yep, which everything you kind of need to know about the two of them. But Frances McDermott is is a monster. She just her 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 physical presence, mm-hmm. her physical performance mm-hmm. as Lady Macbeth, I, I think there's there's a moment in the play where she has gone mad. And Frances McDermott is everything. Just her bearing. And 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 as someone who can go toe to toe with Denzel Washington, who as Macbeth. This, <coughs> this, this, this is an actor. I, 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 I think Denzel Washington has transcended with the vast majority of actors in his demographic have done as actors. I, I I think we talk about these actors getting older but but I think about this alongside a performance like in fences mm-hmm. where there's this deep resonance of 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 bearing and and presence mm-hmm. and and the maturity that that he brings to this, Where you understand why a man like this would have the appetites that he has. That even going against God, which is what killing a king is, Mm -hmm. I cannot deny myself. And if I have a moment, it can only be someone played by someone like Francis McDermott at this point in her career. Okay. That can give me counsel. So that I think the performances in concert with the setting in concert with the direction because there are scenes in here that that you you, you know there there's the, the the first scene that introduces this Macbeth where he comes out of the shadows in the fog. Um, th- there's a scene right when the king has been murdered, when Macduff comes to the castle, and and Macbeth is in shadow mm-hmm. under this arc. That that again, it is it is it, it is this it is this unity of direction, setting, acting, and then of course the story itself that it it is it is unyielding. I I I think my favorite moment of what I'm saying. So so the thing about Macbeth is is again it's unnatural. It's outside. As, As I said, what I always talk about with with you know frankly my students, I always compare the dagger with Hamlet's ghost where we're like, like, you know, part of the Hamlet thing is, you know, Oh, is Hamlet crazy or is Hamlet pretending to be crazy? And I'm in the school of Hamlet's pretending to be crazy because we see the ghost Mm -hmm. of his father as the audience. We see his father, but in Macbeth, when Macbeth sees the dagger, which represents his ambition, which represents his plan to murder the King, we don't see the dagger right. the way we see the ghost so that Macbeth is is separate from us as the audience. And then you get that wonderful duality of the moment where, where Lady Macbeth, after they've murdered the king, she sees blood, mm-hmm. you know, out damn spot where she talks about that. So Joel Cohen has this amazing moment in here where Macbeth sees the dagger. And Denzel Washington is, is of course, bringing everything to, you know, this dagger that I see before me. But again, the audience, we don't see the dagger. So Joel Cohen gets around this because he has this wonderful long shot of the handle on the door Mm -hmm. of the king's bedroom that it looks like a dagger until you get up on it. Right. And you realize what he's done with that. And and again, it's scene after scene like this, so that this this is a masterpiece. This is an actual masterpiece. It is a
0: absolute beautiful piece of work. You talk about the performances in the in the film: Denzel Washington, Frances McDormand, uh, Corey Hawkins, Catherine Hunter.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Everybody's performance is amazing the richness of the of the cinematography and let's give the cinematographer his his just do uh bruno del bonel um and del bonel and, and i hope i'm pronouncing that correctly but it's cinematography is is fantastic i read where he actually Knowing that it was gonna be black and white and most of the, the costuming was black and white, uh as well, or or like in grayscale. Mm-hmm. And that he actually then would still paint some dark places on this on the stage just to 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 add to the starkness. Mm-hmm. Um and it definitely does have an unsettling feeling of these sound stages that are very stripped down mm-hmm. in their in their look and in, in their setting and the 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 set design. Um it's almost almost akin to like a, a black box theater, but it's it's more than that. Mm-hmm. Um but it's it's got a little bit of that vibe. Um but you never feel cheated by it. You mm-hmm. never feel like, you know, like like oh, this is all I can afford. No, it is it it puts you in this world. Uh and it it is actually a sight to behold, man. Um and I'm all the better for it because I unfortunately did not understand one word these people were saying. <laughs> I <laughs> I had the subtitles on. <laughs> And man I was lost. <laughs> I'm I'm telling you, all I could just kept saying, "So why everybody dying?" Like what? Is everybody <laughs> dying? Like the people would be introduced and they'd be dead before they come
1: into the room. I'm like, "What the hell is happening?" They're they, going to run out people <laughs> killed. They, they everybody, dude. Everybody dies in this joint. Look, man. And every single person in this joint is just, just, dropping dead, left and right. Look, once Macbeth gets that prophecy, once you get Macbeth. the crown, you got to keep the crown. You get, dude. I'm like, yo, this joint is good. Like, like his boy died. Like, everybody. Look, like, I'm like, look. The witch said, "You gonna be the king." He told his boy. Your kids, kids are, are going to be, be the, the king. king. So when he became the king, Macbeth was like, Well, what's going we to happen to me for his kids to be king? Uh, you know no, what, son? You, you know got- what? We got to kill everybody. <laughs> everybody
0: everybody got to go. Everybody got to go. Everybody got to go. The hell it? That part, at least, I understood. I didn't understand from what they were saying.
1: <laughs> Contest clues told me what was going <laughs> right. on. Because everybody was dying. everybody Hey, look, yeah, yeah. I, I was like,
0: man, this really looks nice. It'd probably be really nicer if I understood what everybody was saying. I'm trying to read the thing, and, like, it's just going bad. I'm like, well, this is not helping. I don't know what to... I don't know what the hell is happening? I, I, because because this was my entree into Macbeth. Right? right, right, right. I knew, okay, I knew the story of like, okay, Lady Macbeth pumps up Macbeth to kill the king. Right. And right. then, in order for Macbeth to hold on to the crown, I think this is me before the movie. Right, but, what, I, but it sounds like you got it. Yes. So, so I got it. But then it's still reading it. <laughs> I mean, because it doesn't—it doesn't open up with Macbeth. Like it—it it, it, it was, opens up with the witches. It open up, well. No, it opens. It opens up with these with these guys coming to report to the king. Right. So I'm like, all right. Well, who are these guys? And then they're talking. I'm. I don't understand. I don't understand. What, whoa.
1: They're talking about the battle that Macbeth. It, it's like there's because the, Macbeth's name rings out, dude. But then they, he like Omar. Okay, like his name ring out before you even see him.
0: Yeah, but see, but there's Macbeth and there, there's Macduff. There's yeah, that's a, a lot. There's it's a thain of this. There's a thain of Scottish.
1: that. There's all these things. You like Scrooge McDuck? Do you know how this works. They all have their max on. Okay, but there was
0: only one Scrooge McDuck, right? This Mac, Mac, Fane, Fane. I'm like, what? This lady back? I'm like, what the hell is going on? And like, all I knew, at least people started dying. So then I was just like, well, don't (laughs) have to worry about them anymore. All right. Well, all right. They're off. I ain't got to worry about that actor. So, I mean, like, so I liked it. Sure. But I really need to see. No, like you sitting here. Yes. And like you said, like some of the like, you know, like out damn spot. Out damn spot. I now
1: know that that was about to. You know, I didn't catch that. I'm telling you. At one point she says who knew the old man had so much blood. Okay. I knew that. Yeah, But there was just a lot that was going over my head. And I was trying to read it. And I like what I saw. My my my, <laughs> my suggestion for people with with Shakespeare actually read the cliff notes first, okay, so that you know the plot, okay, and then go in. You did not tell me. This. I, I, you're right. I didn't. I didn't. But to, but to I didn't be fair, think I'd
0: have to. But to be fair, yeah. I didn't. Well, I was about to say, I didn't do that for Othello. Sure. But I had already seen adaptations of Othello. Right. If if I've seen an adaptation of Macbeth, I don't know that I've seen an adaptation of Macbeth. And I probably have. Have you you watched
1: Throne of Blood? Throne of Blood? Akira Kurosawa? No, I never saw that one. Akiva. Akira. Akira. I never saw that one. Oh my God. So uh, apparently that's Macbeth. Oh my God! You've got to watch Throne of Blood. Well, if that's I, actually streaming now too. But if I didn't understand English, okay, do you think I'm going Throne to of Blood is actually easier. <laughs> if I didn't understand it in
0: English, no, no, in no. my my language, Throne of Blood is easy. You think easier? I'm going to get it in, in Japanese? It, it, <laughs> no, Len. What you need is the Japanese version of Macbeth. Perhaps
1: that will translate better for you. <laughs> you are killing me right now. <laughs> You're killing me. You're killing you, smalls. You're killing me. You would love throwing the blood. Does it look as good as Tragedy of Macbeth? Oh no. Come on, dog, it's Kurosawa. Well, then I probably will. Yeah. And it's in black and white. Okay, well, there you go. Yeah. And it's streaming now, too. Okay. I may or may not have watched the last hour of <laughs> Throwing the Blood when I finished with. Because I was looking for something in particular that I'll talk about. And I was like, I think they did in Throwing the Blood. Well, let me. Okay, I'm not going to watch all of Throwing the Blood. But okay, I'll watch the last hour. <laughs>
0: I won't tell you about the the YouTube deep dive I went on yesterday. It had <laughs> nothing to do with nothing this. Nothing
1: to do with this. Look, you know, no, I liked it. I no, just, no, 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 no. But all jokes aside, I do think part of the power of the performances is that even if you can't get through the language, mm-hmm. you absolutely yes, you feel it, feel the motivate. Like there's a moment where the king comes to the Macbeth's house mm-hmm. where Francis McDermott and Denzel Washington look up together and they are wolves. Yeah. Yeah, like they are wolves, and one of one of the things that I noted, I said, I need Denzel Washington and Francis McDermott to make movies together, because they really, it's it's funny. Also, I don't know what this says about me, but but like we've been talking about Othello. The past couple of weeks and, and you know, I keep telling, you know, Thello and Desdemona are, are a terrible couple. They don't trust each other. They lie and this, that and the other. And then we were talking about Romeo and Juliet, like these two dumbass kids that are together for like four or five days and then they kill each <laughs> other. Like they kill themselves. Like, but I was like, you know who I really like as a couple? <laughs> Lady Macbeth and the Macbeths. <laughs> Like the Macbeths are rot or die. Like I like them as like, that's real goals right there. Mm-hmm. The Macbeths. Cause look. This hopefully it goes without saying we don't evaluate women like this in, in the 21st century, but this whole theme of unnatural really kind of plays out with lady Macbeth. The fact that she can have children. Yeah. And this is a plot point. like part of the reason that that Banquo's kids are being tapped that they're going to be kings is that Macbeth does not have any children and right. then, so you want to have an heir you know, and and then Macduff says it when he murders Macduff's whole family, Macduff is like he has no family. Now he doesn't want me to basically have a family. But the detail that I like is that this is not a secret. Like like Macbeth knows that Lady Macbeth can't have mm. children. But he loved her. Yeah. Like this, you know, for, I mean, hell, Henry V killed two, three wavs. Like there's something kind of sweet there. Like that this couple always has each other's back. Yeah. And that comes through with this, regardless of, of, of what you're doing with the subtitles or <laughs> not. That that Denzel Washington's Macbeth and Francis McDermott's Lady Macbeth are a team. Well, the one thing I will say, you, you sense the
0: change in Macbeth's energy when he's with Lady Macbeth. Yes. Because in the beginning you see the, uh, almost like this weariness on him, Mm -hmm. you know, because of, you know, the, the battles and, and everything like that. And, and him just longing to, return to her. Mm-hmm. You know? So I I I will say she probably is the original rider or dieck.
1: Yeah. 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 Uh speaking of Denzel Washington's performance, there Denzel Washington has two fight scenes mm-hmm. in here. Denzel Washington punking that one guy. So Macbeth, so, 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 you know, uh, you know, I, I, I guess Macbeth is a smart guy, but he's not really smart. Like he had, doesn't figure out like the, the, the witches keep giving him prophecies and one of the, pro- even though they all kind of turn left, he never figures out. He never sees it. This is a monkey paw, but. One of the prophecies is you cannot be killed by a man who is born of woman. Right. So, you know, he's like, well, well, everybody is is born of woman. So basically I can't be killed. So there's a moment where where a warrior comes at him and Denzel Washington's physical performance as he pushes this. I don't want to call him a boy, but he treats him like a he boy. Treats, he sons him. He sons him, pushes him around. And, and I just, I just love that moment so much because again, Denzel Washington in his sixties is just, he's, he's, he's just power, Mm -hmm. you you know, just his bearing and, and, and his, is, is like, this is terrible. Like, like I know you, you always gotta be careful comparing black people to animals. You know, you ever watch those shark TikToks, like the TikToks of the people free diving with sharks no. and things? Yeah, I am I love I love sharks. I love them. and then you'll see like the divers and they'll, they'll be free diving with these sharks. And it's like this is a you know, this is a great white shark. It's like 16 feet long, 20 mm. feet long. And, you know, it's probably 100 years old. And it's like, well, damn, that's that's a big ass shark. But then you think like it's 20 feet now. But, like, a decade ago, it was 15 feet. <laughs> right. And 15 feet is, that's it's still big. That's bigger. still big. It's just that 20 is bigger. Like, like Denzel Washington made Malcolm X, like, damn near 30 years ago. <laughs> you know? Like, even Training Day. Yes. That's like 20 years. Like, like you saw this magnificent actor. But that was 20 years ago. Francis McDermott was in Fargo. Like 30, like Francis McDermott in Fargo is better than most people have ever been in anything. Anything, yes. In Fargo. But that was 30 years ago. Like these actors just- now it's coming out. Right. They just kept honing their craft. Mm -hmm. I mean, hell, Fences was five or six years ago. Yeah, probably maybe a little longer. Like Denzel Washington made fences and then he swam off into the darkness and just got better. Mhm. I'm just going to equalize for a little bit. <laughs> well, well, you you know, I, have you I, you know what? I realize I've never seen any of the Equalizer movies. You haven't seen any of them? I've never seen any of them. They're not bad. I mean, apparently and they are what they are. But I they... mean, like Denzel Washington beating up that boy this afternoon was <laughs> that made me say, "Huh, Denzel Washington, action star," and going toe to toe Corey Hawkins with a sword. Fences was seven years ago. Fences was seven years ago. He could have done Fences, and said, "I'm done." Mm-hmm. He's still like like he's still doing Denzel Washington stuff. I know. So I love I love 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 single, about. We, you know, we haven't even talked about the sound design. Ah, oh, and, and the score. The score. You talk
0: about like you know, this is horror. It is like the the set, the music of it. Yeah, it's like it's so rich and like there's there's a lot of um, uh, a lot of uh, string, uh, violin, yeah, but like sort of discordant, yeah, 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 and it it's whew, it's amazing,
1: yeah, and and again tonally, it is. I saw someone describe it as gothic gothic horror. Yeah, where where you know when you think about you know we talk about horror now it's always bloody and this that and the other but but in my mind you, you know I like the English Village mm-hmm. horror from like the seventies like all those movies around Wicker Man around that Wicker Man time and that's what this made me think of like just oh. like I'm just like this is not normal this is not Right. Like I am somewhere that is not right. And it captures that perfectly. What I was talking about with Throne of Blood and I swore this was in Throne of Blood, but I was wrong. I've seen productions of Macbeth where at the end, Mm -hmm. you, you know, so they crown Malcolm as the new king. And 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 I've seen production where where Macduff now rides off. But as he rides off, the weird sisters are waiting in the road. Oh, almost like this is cyclical, or or it has the potential to be cyclical, because once you listen to them, now you're in this brand new place. Mm. So, just just fantastic. Would you recommend that people sit and watch the tragedy of Macbeth? I would. I would, and and all jokes aside, I think I think there's enough here for a film lover to come in cold. Mm-hmm. Like I don't understand it. I don't, you know, even don't even turn the, the the subtitles on. Like just sit and watch. it. I think you can get enough of it. Again, it's 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 the unity of form. Like 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 the direction, the sets the performances that it 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 can pull you in and I do think and I do think that um the more you know about it, the more resonant it becomes. So yeah, I absolutely would recommend it.
0: You can watch it like I more or less watched it not knowing what they're talking about and just enjoying the, the visuals, um, the music. And you you will still be captivated. You will still be captivated, ladies and gentlemen. So I would also recommend that people see the tragedy of Macbeth. And when you do, please invite me so you can tell me what uh, (laughs) uh, is happening. I would appreciate that.
1: Um, (laughs) Also think you should watch Throne of Blood. It's easier to understand. In Japanese.
0: It's English subtitles. That didn't help me here. <laughs> Just saying. Um, well, there you have it. There's a review of the tragedy of Macbeth. And thus, we close the book on the bards of November. The bards of
1: November.
0: Ladies and gentlemen, How uh, before we I tell you what we're going to be watching next month, which will be Christmas. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's Christmas month. It's it's the month of Christmas. Mm-hmm. Uh, holidays. Let you know, we are only going to be doing three shows in December. Mm-hmm. So we're only going to be around for the first for three weeks in December. And then we're going to take two weeks off at the mm-hmm. end of the year to, to, to recharge our batteries. Absolutely. Um, but before we tell you what we're going to be watching to kick off our holiday uh, extravaganza I invite you to follow the Show Mission on the social media of your choice whether it be Instagram Facebook or Facebook group the social media formerly known as Twitter known as X now you can find us at Show Mission M-I-C-H-E-A-U-X-M-I-S-S-I-O-N You can also subscribe to the Michelle Mission on YouTube, where many of you are watching us right now. You can subscribe, hit that bell, so you'll be notified when we put up our new shorts and when we are going live and when we eventually will have re-edited short bits that will be going up there because I'll be doing all of that stuff over the holiday season. So, (laughs) because it gets busy, ladies and gentlemen, it does. Um, The Michelle Mission, if you want to email us, we're open for all emails. E- email us at mission at gmail.com. And you can always find us here every Tuesday from Young Chunk, Philadelphia's premier video podcast plaza here in Manny Young. This is our studio, but they have many other studios available for you if you want to get your video podcasting on. Hey, we've always told you to go to the website. We've got an even better hookup for you. Our producer, Dylan, yes. has opened up his g- heart and is so gracious to say, Len, why don't you just tell people, just email me directly. I'll take care of them. So you can email Dylan, Dylan at YoungJunk.com. That's D Y L A N. Dylan at YoungJunk.com and book your time in one of the fabulous studios they have here at Young Junk right here in Manayunk, in Philadelphia. The Michelle Mission is also a proud member of The Podglomerate. You've been with Podglomerate for now over six years. Wow. Yes. Proud to be with Podglomerate and their network of podcasts, The Podglomerate, They make podcasts work. Next week, kick off our holiday Christmas season in style. And we stay British. Oh, okay. As we go to the year of 2021 and we bring you our review of the film
1: Boxing Day. Oh, Boxing Day. That is British. (laughs) It is British. Yeah. It is British. Let's see how they do it across the pond. Across the pond.
0: Next week, here on the Michelle Mission. Until then, he's Vince. I'm Len. And in parting, we
1: say, see you when it's time to meet again.
0: The Michelle Mission is produced by Len Webb and Vincent Williams and edited by Len Webb, with co-production by Mo Poplar, music by Alexa Gold, and filmed at the Video Content Factory. Michel Mission is a proud member of the Podglomerate Podcast Network.